Welcome, welcome, welcome to Basketball Heads Live. I'm your host, Glenn Poole Harding. And tonight, we have a very special guest. This basketball head is a St. John's High School prep great. He grew up playing basketball in Queens and was trained by the legendary coach, Vincent Smith, older brother of TNT analyst and NBA champ, Kenny the Jet Smith. He was then fortunate to obtain a full scholarship to the prestigious Berkshire Prep School in Sheffield, Mass. He excelled obtaining varsity letters in three sports, cross country, track and field, and men's basketball. That's why we're here tonight. He was named first team all New England, leading his prep school to a New England championship his senior year, not heavily recruited, and having very little Division I offers, this basketball head attended St. Peter's College. After a successful freshman campaign, he decided to transfer to the University of Rhode Island. He was named second team All-Atlantic 10, leading the running Rams in scoring in his junior and senior year, while making appearances in the NIT and NCAA tournament. He was also voted by Dick Vitale, at the nation's top 15 small forwards in the country. Drafted in the second round the CBA to the Pittsburgh Piranhas. Then this basketball head took his talent around the world. Check this out. Italy, France, Spain, Cyprus, Israel, Switzerland, Venezuela, Taiwan, Dominican Republic, and Turkey. Without further ado, Help me welcome my next guest, St. John's Prep great and Rhode Island legend, Abdul Fox. You're ready? You're ready? You're ready? Yes. Yes. You have you just stepped out into the world, world of chaos. chaos. Where everybody, Where everybody goes, goes No doubt. So, Fox, I like to yes, ask sir. everybody when they come on the show, man, who introduced you to the game? Wow. Uh, crazy story. I, I played Pop Warner football first. And I <laughs> Yo, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to make some noise for that because I played Pop Warner football too. I love to hear my basketball heads come on here and say, you know what? I played another sport first. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And after I broke my wrist, my parents said I couldn't play football anymore. <laughs> Little Italian kid in my junior high school class was playing on a church team. His name was Jay Garcia. And he says, can you come try out for my church team? And that's when I found out I could shoot a little bit. But that's how it all started. 
Nine. Yo, salute to Jay Garcia. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Salute to that's Jay good. Garcia, for sure. Can't forget that. So, I, I know you grew up under the tutelage of Vincent Smith, man. What did it mean to you to have him as a trainer and a mentor? It, it meant the world. It, it kind of walked around with a certain confidence because I felt like I was getting tutelage from one of the games. You know, I grew up working out with both Kennys, you know, just a sponge on how they approach me, their work ethic. And, and then Vincent just passed me on to, to Kevin Jackson, Pierre Judge Turner, and all salute to Carol O'Connell, the outlaws. That's the, that's the foundation. That group of people was 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 what made me, one hundred percent. Nice, nice. So you didn't play for Aim High. But outlaws became Aim High. So Carol introduced me to Vincent. So I started with Carol O'Connor, the outlaws, and then she introduced me to Vincent, introduced me to Kevin Jackson, Pierre, and I stayed within that circle, you know, until I got out of college. So no Gauchos, no Riverside, no Running Rebels. You know, I wasn't that good. I really wasn't that good back then. And listen, do I have one shirt? I don't want to lift it up and I don't have it. Okay? Oh. <laughs> I always rep my guy. Yeah. Okay? Yep. That's right. Robert, Rebel Boy. That's right. That's A Queen legend. Sure. And I wore it on the show as well. You know, I just had to tuck it under tonight. You know, it's what we do. Wow. I know we also having some Queens royalty now, so I want to have something Queens on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, got to. But Queens now, get the money all day. Yeah. Like Carol Connor. So, I didn't mean know her story, but little white. No, man, no, tell me, tell me a little bit about So when I played with the church team, we came and we all right, hold on, yo, Fox, Fox. Don't move around too much, because what happens, the camera is trying to follow you, and then that's when they start to buffer. All right. All right. So I played with the church team, and then we played this team called the Outlaws. Little white lady with 12 kids from Queensbridge, Astoria Projects, or Ravenswood. We probably lost by 90. But she saw something in me, so she asked me to come try out for the Outlaws. So then I tried out for the Outlaws, made that team, I was always the outsider because I was from a small neighborhood called Marine Terrace. So I was always getting picked on. I was always, you know, wasn't tough enough. So she kind of just took me under her wing, gave me extra practice on Saturday, picked me up, dropped me off, and kept telling me to stick up for myself. So I eventually, you know, became the player because of her, and then she passed me to Vincent. And then once that Vincent got a hold of me, you know, it, it was history. All right, man. Salute to Coach Connor for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's right, man. And, and look. Who said females can't get the job done? And little white correction lady. She's probably four foot tall, but man, she can she can she can coach. She can coach. So so you would consider yourself a late boom of uh late bloomer, or did you catch on really early? No, nah, I didn't start basketball until 15. Like like Shane last night. I had Shane Drisdemore last night. He didn't start till he was like 15, 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. So but I was a sponge, you know, I was a sponge. Wow, late bloomer indeed. So I'm quite sure you know this question. So as you coming up, who's the best player in your neighborhood? You see what I, I came from Marine Terrace was no was no basketball players. It was it was nothing. So I, I ventured over to Astoria Projects in Queensbridge, and that's when the talent level I was just in awe. So, you know, there was this dude named Mark Morris, they call him Spud, uh Corky, Sean Green. I mean, those all the guys I was like, oh, 
Salute Sean Green, my guy, yes. So who did you compare your game to? You know, I was an 80s kid, so, you know, you grew up, you know, wanting to pass the ball like magic, you know, and obviously, you know, that was, you were, to me, you were the Laker or Celtics fan back then, so I just grew up, you know, trying to emulate, you know, magic. But when I got old enough, you know, I always liked big guards, so Scottie Pippen, you know, all the big guards, Ron Harper, you know, Jordan, of course. But Vincent really taught me how to shoot, so, you know, Reggie Miller, people like that that could really shoot, Ron, you know, and you mentioned Ron Harper. I don't think people realize how much of a beast Ron Harper was. You know, it, and again, this is how I tell you how great Jordan is, okay? Because <laughs> Ron Harper was a beast in his own right, and then goes to Chicago, becomes a role player, and people kind of forget. Yeah. If you ask Michael, one of his toughest com people to compete against was Ron Harper when he was with Cleveland. No doubt. You got my guy Kanal Robinson on the check-in as well. A10, UMass. I hate it. That's name. right. <laughs> That's right. So, why St. John's Prep instead of Malloy? Now, see, this is the thing. When I was a late bloomer, I went to junior high school. Junior, my junior high school went to ninth grade. So I didn't have no freshman year. Carol O'Connell paid for me to go to St. John's Prep. I sat the bench on JV. The big thing there was Ram Fishburne, who's probably you might know. That's my guy, Ram. That's right. Yeah. I sat the bench on JV, and I had an incident, you know, where someone broke into my locker, and one day the janitor had on my shirt. So I had a verbal conflict with the janitor. I probably used some profanity at a young age. And uh, they called me into Dean of Student's office and suspended me with no questions asked. So. You're lost, man. Yeah. No question. My locker gets broken into. Not a kid, but the custodian, grown ex man, have on my shirt. No. And I'm not supposed to say anything. They should at least give you the, the pass to, to, to be mad as a kid, right? To be frustrated. Like, yo, what you doing? No. Can't beat them. So, what you going to do? That's curse words. Dustin, that's the best thing. That's crazy, man. So that kind of shows how I ended up at LIC. I was supposed to go away to prep school. I didn't get in. When I went to double back to St. John's Prep, they said, we don't have a spot for you. So you didn't finish at St. John's Prep? I ended up at LIC, Long Island City High School, right down the street from Queensbridge. And that's when you started to make your balls? Yes. Yeah, that's when I finally got a chance to play. But, you know... Just a tough environment. Everybody I went to junior high school was there. Every, all the neighborhood kids were there. So I, my grades went right. You know, I was probably hanging out with the wrong crowd. And I really, you know, stressed events. I really want to go away to prep school. So the next year, I was at Jack Curran's camp. And the head coach from Berkshire School was coming. And he had one scholarship. And it was me and a, a kid named Shay Allen King that was just nice. Left-handed kid. I don't know what happened. What's his name again? I didn't hear what you Shay Allen King. Left-handed okay, kid. Okay, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Just incredible. But I was rooming with Titus. And yes. Son. It was like, listen, the shade kid is nice, but we like Fox. So he ended up giving us two scholarships. And that's how I ended up at Berkshire. But I wasn't on Malloy's radar. I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I was just, I think, a late bloomer. I wasn't on the radar. What was life adjustments like for you when you got to Berkshire? I'm from Queens. I ain't never... 
heard the sounds or the noises of nature. So you think you, you know, you're rough and tough, you know, growing up in New York on the corner, but the sounds of nature, I was scared to walk from dorm room to dorm room after hours. <laughs> Yo, brother, I, I think a lot of guys go through the same thing coming from New York City. I went through it going to Maine because I'm with the uh, MCI. Okay. Right? So being in Pittsfield, Maine, you know, it's like a one-horse town. Right. One main store, one supermarket, one movie theater, and you could spit through the whole town. Back. But once it got dark, no. there was no hanging out. No, no. So let's let's keep talking about some some more of the life adjustments you had to make besides nature. Well, I couldn't compete academically. Uh, you know, I was struggling. My my assistant coach was my math teacher. His wife was my writing teacher, and I would go for extra help. I would sit down with him for an hour. He would get up. She would sit down. By the time I graduated, I was able to compete. But I remember, you know, kids getting mad when they got 1,200 on the SAT. Oh, I need to take it again. I was like, shit, I just need a 700. No, hold on, hold on, Fox. Tell the people the kind of kids you went to school with. Because if you never heard of Berkshire, you just think, oh, I went to a regular prep school. And it's not a regular prep school. The so prep school was not a regular prep school. So listen. So hold on. Hold on, Fox. Yeah. It costs fifty-four thousand dollars to go to MCI. How much does it cost to go to Berkshire? It's it's a college tuition. It's a college tuition. There was kids' parents landing on the football field with a helicopter because they don't like to drive. Nidal Sassoon's son was in school. I mean, it, Diana Ross's daughter. It was just, you know, I'm from Queens. I'm trying to get the shirt and tie together. You know, they got polo. They got. Louis Vuitton, Tommy Hilfiger. I'm like, listen, Ma, can you rent a car when you come visit? Because, you know, I'm looking at the cars on campus. We had to dodge all these, man. Like, and the kids, the kids is driving these, these things. Yeah. Crazy. That's real. That's, that's good. So what life lessons did it teach you while you were there? Well, one, you know, I was never had a concern once I got to college whether my grades would be up to par. I had study habits and study skills that was, you know, mandatory study hall from 7 to 9. I had class on Saturdays. I had to wear a certain tie. When I got to college, I kept the same routine. Wore a certain tie, sat in front of the class, and I, you know, gave myself mandatory study hall. So, you know, I just never was concerned about being ineligible. So that was just, you know, stress that I never had. But just to be respectful, I was always in tune with other cultures. You know, my roommate was from Switzerland. You know, so I just was, I guess, engulfed in that at a young age. When I got to college, it was just, you know, a blast. Let's talk about you not being highly recruited as much and how you didn't let that stop you. Because most kids who, are, who get in that situation, they just give up, like head to the streets, like, look, ain't nobody checking for me. They're not willing to take that next step. You know, I, I thought about a, a PG year, uh, but I didn't. Um, I had a Division II offer, and then St. Peter's College came out of nowhere. Another coach told him about me. So, you know, as a kid growing up, all you want to do is go Division One. You want to have those conversations. Oh, I'm D1. I'm D1. So true. So true. So when I got St. Peter's, that's all I had. You know, I just rolled with it. But I always had the vision of just being better every year. I didn't really have that NBA mindset where it was my goal was to just get better in college, be all conference, you know, and as I did those small steps, all of a sudden the NBA seemed very realistic. 
But I didn't grow up just thinking the NBA was something I wanted to do. I wanted to play high school. I was sitting the bench on JV. I wanted to start. You know, I just took those small steps, allowed me to eventually get to the big goal. How was St. Peter's? It was, it was, it was challenging. You know, as a freshman, you just want to compete. You know, get on the floor. And for me, it started in preseason. There was a senior captain, white kid, six three. He was winning all the preseason races. I ran cross country and track in high school. So from day one, I'm smoking the senior captain in preseason conditioning. Woo! So now I got a target on my back that I don't even know. I'm just trying to, you know, that set myself as a freshman that I, you know, I, I, I want to compete. I want to play. So that was the first challenge I had. Then there was a point guard, and I hate to say it, he went to Jersey's and went to St. Anthony's. And that New York, New Jersey kind of conflict, the cat didn't want to pass me the ball, and I had, you know, taken my sneakers on the road. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't, I didn't hear the school he went to. St. Anthony's. Okay. Just want you to say it again. Yeah, so we didn't, we didn't see eye to eye. And his boy was all conference, and they just had a click. And here I was as a freshman disrupting that. And you know, I just went some, through some stuff that I think I shouldn't have went through as a freshman. And I decided, you know, I wanted to transfer. And I wanted to go to Fordham because I was cool with John Prelude, uh, Fred Herzog. But they didn't want me to transfer in conference because they didn't know how to compete against them. So they said, listen, you can go anywhere except in conference. If you do, we're going to file an NCAA investigation. Wow. And if we find any tampering, you could lose a year of eligibility. That's crazy. So how, how did you get hooked up with uh, Rhode Island? You posted that picture of Paco. I went to basketball camp to Providence. They were recruiting a dude named Carl Beckett from Christ the King. We were the only two campers playing. So I got to meet Abdul Samshadeen. That's right. I grew up playing with Samshadeen with Dykeman. Samshadeen literally picked up the phone, called the University of Rhode Island, and said, I got this kid that wants to transfer. Al Skinner didn't recruit me. Did not nobody Rhode Island recruit me. Samshadeen picked up the phone. They said, if he's serious, bring us your transcript. And they arranged for a visit. I went on a visit. I knew Carlos Eastland from Christ the King. That's right. Los, my God. Yeah. New York. And when I looked at, you know, who was coming in, there was only one sophomore coming in. Eric Leslie. Was Yo. Eric Leslie. Leslie. The Leslie. most mysterious man right now in New York City basketball. <laughs> he is just like the ghost. Okay. Yeah. What is he up to? And we're going to let you get back to the Rhode Island story, but What's going on with E. Leslie? Man, I, I didn't see him since he graduated, but I sat out till he was a senior year and, you know, just kind of watched him and watched what he went through. But he just, when he graduated, that was it. You know, some people have a different experience with Al Skinner when they're seniors, and I kind of went through the same thing, so I could kind of relate. Wow. Because as a junior, you, you averaged 15 points. I was ninth on the team in minutes. Ninth. Ninth on the team in minutes, bro. I wasn't eight getting 20. I was ninth on the team in minutes. 17 points getting 15. 17 minutes getting 15 points. What's up with Al Skinner, man? I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I wasn't his recruit. The, the two guard that played in front of me went to Oak Hill. Where I felt, you know, you just peak for the starting job. 
But I didn't let that's that. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't let that stop me. It, to me, it was just an obstacle. I maximized my time when I was on the floor, and I didn't point no fingers because that's not what I did. Man, you did maximize your time, night and minutes, and you averaging fifteen, and then go on your senior year and average seventeen. Like this is second team with junior, first team Eddie Jones, Aaron McKee, Marcus Camby, and Kadari. They all started on their college teams. I'm not even starting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, fam. Who the hell is the starting five if you not start? Like I said, I played my role and I maximized my time. I just, I look, I hear a lot of these stories, man. And people can hear that you're not bickering, you're not salty, you just stating the facts. I'm the one, like, what the hell, yo? Because I'm looking at the numbers, I'm like, it don't match up. How you putting up these numbers you unite in minutes and then you next year you you go up two more points and you're not even starting. Listen, college coaches, please, or you guys who are gonna become college coaches, get out of that mind state that he's my player. That's my player. Once we all are on the same team, we gotta rock out together. And it's every, you know, once you bring that kid to that team, he got to compete. Nothing is given. Yeah. It's crazy, man. That to, to turn to ad live, you know, Jason Gillian was a freshman, and that was my sophomore year when I came when I came off sitting out, and that's who I came off the bench with. That was the back. That was the backup. Me and Jason. And then we had a couple of wow. and that's when the, the brotherhood started coming off the bench because. I was rocking with uh, you. Jason was telling me this. Jason was telling me this. He was like, yo, G, this is why Jason bounced to Stetson after that. Wow. It's all coming together now. I had I had Jason up here a while ago. He talked about the same things. And again, just like a real basketball head and a true man, right. he, he wasn't salty. No. He was just like, yo, G, I had to take my talent somewhere else. Right. Well, I was appreciated. And then turned up. But I couldn't I couldn't transfer again. I already transferred once. So no, 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 no. I, I'm talking about Jason at the yeah, time. Yeah. Right, right. They was nice. They was nice. They was nice. That's crazy. So now, 19 minutes, your junior year, average of 15. Senior year, 17, coming off the bench. I need to know, fam, who asked you, Buster, to let them know that you was a real serious baller, man, that they need to contend with you? Listen, there's, there's a, there was a story of Rick Barnes from Providence College. When I went to that camp, I was on no one's scouting report, but I was playing against the college kids at night. So he comes to me and says, would you like to be a friar? I'm like, yeah, I'd like to be a friar at Big East, of course. They went and did some research, there was nothing on me. I wasn't that good. He came back to me, he says, the rumor is that you are probably- Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, fam, hold on, hold on, fam. I played in the Northeast Conference. That's not the Atlantic 10. You average 15 and 17 in the Atlantic 10. There's no paperwork on you? None? <laughs> when I was in high school, when I went to that camp in high school, 
Oh, okay, I got you. All right, all right, all right. He said, the rumor is you're a problem kid, so we're not going to recruit you. And to this day, I annihilated Providence College every time I played. Every time. It was personal. It was personal. Oh, yeah, we're going to make some noise for that right there. Kicking Providence College ass. Hey, hey you're the first guy. Stop nothing. You're the first guy that said you kicked the whole team's ass. You used to be like, yeah, I went at such and such, or me and such and such battle. You was like, you know what, Providence? I'm killing all y'all. They had Dickie Simpkins. They had Michael Smith. They had my man Ross Phelps. They had Eric Williams. I, yeah, tried to kill him. Woo! Oh, yeah. And my man Kenal Robinson said he never liked Rick Barnes. Hated him, man. Oh, man. Wow. That's crazy. The things you find out when you talk to a New York City basketball player. Yeah, man. But I was, man, I was, I was blessed, though, man. Like I said, I, I graduated, you know, I got my degree. No one from the coaching staff was there. I was the only senior to graduate. I packed up and I was gone from then on out. I never looked back. Okay. A question I had to bring back, I haven't asked in a while. This is the James Majors question. James Majors, Bishop Lachlan, great. Seton Hall, great. All around great deal. He said when he was in college, I guess from 83 to 86, 87, whatever the case may be, these guys was getting $5 a day for mill money. Right? Right. Okay, you was before me. Okay, I went to school from 88 to 92. Like I said, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson. We were in the Big East. We won the Atlantic 10. Right. But for road trips, we was getting at least, uh, I would say from 250 to 500 on a scale. And we go way out there a week, we may get 700. We may get hit like that. Right, right. And mind you, I'll get people, like I'm telling you, this is all legal money. This is a stipend that players get. Guys in the NBA, even though they get millions of dollars, each day yep. they get a stipend. Got me. Yeah, you was buffering. You was buffering, Fox, so we didn't hear anything you said. Okay, I missed it then. No, I, I'm, I want you to answer the question. How much was your money back then? Let's start at St. Peter's, and then we're going to move to Rhode Island. Now, St. Peter's was, was, was great for me. It was a commuter school. There was no campus. So we had no dining hall. So we got like 12, 1,582 weeks because we had a, there was no there was cafeteria. That's when I got my first credit card. You know, we had a new Nikes. I was living then, you know, giving my pop some money. You know, I'm cashing out. I was living. <laughs> Real talk. Yeah. We went to the NIT with an interim AD. 
So he didn't know that we wasn't supposed to get that money. So every game, you think we're in the huddle saying, you know, go Rams. We're in the huddle saying Fleet Bank. <laughs> well, yeah. The more, the more games you win, the more money you get. Right, right. So the next year we go to the tournament, we got a real AD. And when we get the envelope, we're like, yo, what's this shit? Yo, we all money in our team. We're supposed to get more money for the NCAA tournament. He was like, nah, y'all wasn't supposed to get that money last year. We was pissed, yo. Wow. We got some T-shirts and a little watch, man. <laughs> Yo, that's how they get you. And listen, let's let's sidetrack for a minute, right? Right. Always get into uh, conversations about guys in the NBA who make millions of dollars, right? And then, and are playing at a high level. And if they don't win a ring, something's wrong. I have a problem with that, right? And guys go, well, he won so many championships. No, the team won the championship. Yeah. Mind you, that doesn't take away from that player. Right. Right? So when you say like the watches and T-shirts, I just think those things are trinkets. Right. And, it's, and it happens on the same level. It happens on the highest level. Right, right. Even though it's, you know, you can cash it in and get some money for it, but right. that's the highest level. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of saying, you know, he had a great career, but he never he never won a ring. You know, that to me is uh, that's a bunch of BS. When you get to that level and, you know, if you're a power forward, you're a two guard, every night you, you play against the best. So regardless of whether the team or the management helps you put a team together or win a ring, you, 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 to me, you're at the highest level. You get there. I'll knock anyone spent a year, two years, three years in the NBA. You made it. You got to be in the locker room and do something that a million other people, a billion other people would never get the chance to do. Facts. And like I, you know, like yourself. Even though you have some bumps in the road, there are things that you have done and experienced. People cheered for you. Thousands of people cheered for you. Wish they could be in your shoes. Yeah, man. It, it was. So definitely blessed, man. Yeah. How I was transitioning the transition from college ball to playing professional. You know, it was it took me a while to understand what it was to be a professional. You know, when you're young, you got some money, you know, you think it's in the club, you know, you're you're able to recover and you don't realize, you know, just the work ethic behind being a professional. I learned that maybe my, my third or fourth year. You know, to shut it down on Thursday, you know, good meal, you know, massage, TV, and just mellow out and get your mind right. You know, the mental approach, I didn't get to later. You know, you think you put your headphones on, you listen to Jay-Z, that's really getting you ready for a game. It was a lot to it once I became a professional. And in my position, a two-guard, even if you're in Europe, you got to score, you know, 20-plus. Otherwise, they, they replacing you. So maybe my second or third year, I kind of understood it. It's probably why I never played – and only one New York summer league because I worked on my game in the summer. I played in the Nike program. That was it. I didn't chase nothing else because I needed to improve in the summer. And that's when I took the summers just to work on my, my skill set. And that's what I really wow. was to be a professional. And you got drafted to the CBA in the second round and, and before you went overseas, right? Uh, 
uh, spent some time in the Chicago camp and and whatever camp I think the Denver camp. Yeah, I was living in Matumbo my my first my my rookie year. I, I heard you got a, a a Jordan story to tell. Yeah, I got a few. <laughs> hey man, it was just to 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 watch him step into the practice every day and be the first one in, the last one out. You know, I, I kept a journal for the first two months and really didn't play as well because there was too much respect. So once I put the journal away and kind of made myself realize I belong there, my level of play improved and I gained his respect. And ever since then, he kind of took me on his wing. But it was a few days, one practice, I didn't lose a practice game. And you, wow. think, you, know, you think I, I, I embarrassed Jordan. Man, he hit one day, I think six or straight, seven straight buckets. I mean, I'm closing out, hand in the face, swat. His little swat. He said, young fella. I had like six, seven straight buckets on you. That was only the first quarter. You times that times four, four quarters, I got about 45 or 50. I was like, oh, that's all right. I'll be back tomorrow. He says, you know what, young fella? So will I. Like, what do you say to that, man? What do you say? But just, you know, great competitive. It's so weird. He gave me all this practice stuff with number 45. I didn't even think to hoard it. I went home to the crib and gave it out to the, the fellows on the block. Wow. I do got a pair of those patent leather Jordans when they came out. He gave me two pair of those, signed them. I got those in the house. That's real. That's real. Hey, listen. The guys on the block know you definitely official now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, if anything else fell, they like, yo, man, listen, I could put this up with some cash one day. Uh, crazy. crazy. Wow. So, how was life overseas, man? And did you learn any new languages? Because I had Kim Hampton up here. Whoa. This woman knew like four languages. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, she spent some time over there. I embraced Italian. I was, I was pretty fluent back then, and it was close enough to Spanish. So, tu habla espanol, tu parla italiano. And you notice you got to change the hand movement. So, I really embraced it. Uh, I had a point guard who wanted to learn English, and I wanted to learn Italian. So we became, you know, the best of friends. Hebrew, I knew a little. I could get in the cab, you know, Mayanim, Kobaceta, Shalom. I knew some of the basics. Taiwanese was the most challenging because it's based on symbols and signs. So I really couldn't learn it. So it was really challenging. I didn't, I didn't know what people were saying about me. The only thing I learned is I knew how to write my name in Taiwanese. But I embraced the culture. You know, I ate the food. I wanted to be with the locals. I wanted to learn the language. And, you know, I, I did it all. I, I tried to embrace it all. I wasn't like, where's the McDonald's? I'm like, listen, I'm in Italy. I'm in France. I'm eating what they eat, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's dope, man. What, what would you say would have been your best professional year and in what country? Uh, I would say Italy. Uh, we won a championship. Uh, a team that wasn't expected to win the championship. And we flat out won it in regular season. We didn't even have to go to the playoffs. So I took it from A2 to A1. Hold on, hold on. Explain, explain how that works. If you if you finish first in the league, you can – if you're A2 trying to go to A1, if you finish first in the league, you automatically go to A1. You don't, have to, you don't even have to go to the playoffs. So we wow. won flat out. And the team – this is a small town that's never even heard of playing the A1. So to have that happen, I think uh, my other American was uh, Albert Burdett, played the Texas Beast. And we just did it, just a team chemistry. Now, this is where I really understood team chemistry. He, they took us up in the mountains first to do high-altitude training, three a day. 
What did I do for you guys? I remember saying, because you know your Italian breakfast is just some eggs in the breakfast. So I was like, listen, if I skip breakfast, I could get another extra hour, 20 minutes sleep. It's like, nope, you got to be at breakfast, dress with your team, have conversation. I was like, what, man? So I learned just to, to get the camaraderie. And then every two weeks, we moved down closer to sea level. But the bond we had from that training up in the mountains, that's what kept us together. I think it's probably from my high school team. It's probably the closest I got to some guys. But I'm still wow. friends with guys from that bond we had, you know, going up in the mountains and coming down. And I had a great coach. The coach played with uh, Kobe's dad. At Milan, he was a uh, from New Jersey, Italian American, and he was just on. He was on point, and just had a great experience. He, he understood the game. He understood about forward the pass, up the wing. You know, it was just so many incidents that you you take advantage. You you don't respect as a two guard. He, he said, "Man, you play both ends." He's like, "Yo, I, I rock with you," and I had a great experience there. Great experience. Man, then there's nothing like having a coach that believes in you and understand you and get you. Man. Right, once you got a coach that he gets you. Yeah. That brings out the best in the ball player. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, after you coming from some really <laughs> yeah. crazy coaches, man, uh, yeah. it was a blessing that you ran into that guy, man. Yeah. Kind of turned everything around for you. I went back uh, 12 years later. They gave me the key to the city. The town embraced me, man. No like, doubt. No doubt. We're going to make some noise for that, man. Yeah. Not too many people can say they got the key to any city. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yo, and I'm going to keep it real. Some owners don't have the key to their house. That's real. That's real, man. Salute. That's dope. So, after it was all said and done, right? You look back. Are you satisfied how things turned out? Yeah, I mean, 12 years. Oh, it was a great run, and uh, I didn't really – basketball play, Basketball was something I did. It wasn't who I was. I always knew you – know, my dad always told me I could do something else besides, you know, bouncing the ball. So I kind of went cold turkey. It wasn't really – you know, I didn't really go into commentating or I wanted to coach. I just kind of went into something totally different to remove myself from the game. But I, I missed the camaraderie. I missed that, that brotherhood. You know, 12 people just trying to win a game or, you know, just trying to go to the NCAA tournament when I was in college, that bond we had. I try to bring that to the workforce, which is hard, you know, with just dealing with so many personalities and where people Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, what I've taken the most. But I've been blessed, man. I mean, like I said, I wasn't that good. But I had some people believed in me and, you know, had a work ethic to match it. But I wish I'd have met someone – who took it the next step. I was already doing extra. If I had someone to tell me, hey, get up at five, you need to run 10 miles, I would have did it. But I didn't have that person to kind of push me to that next level. I wish I would have, but you know. Yo, bro, trust me. I say the same thing all the time, <laughs> right? We was looking for coaches. Yeah. The coach was somewhere we was at the park because we wanted that tutelage. Right. Right? And this is what I tell a lot of men you know, if you have time, mentor a young, you know, a young man. Please take the time out to mentor him. If he's in your vicinity, someone that kind of look up to you, mentor him. They're looking for that. A lot of us guys say, you know, they ain't going to listen. They, gonna, they really want to listen. You just got to take the time, too, and make sure that your approach is right. A lot of times we go into these situations 
looking down at these young men and not lifting them up. True that. Uh, right? So with basketball, it's the same thing. A lot of guys look at us, you, and go, man, Fox got it already. He good. Not knowing we need that extra push. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's the part, man. Yeah. That uh, Us ballers, you know, that uh, crave that. It's a, that new generation that's craving those same things. And I, and I find, I think I have a lot to give. I, I tell them, you know, I had the pleasure of coaching the AAU team here in Georgia uh, for Georgia Man Up and me and this uh, other cat, cool cat, Malik Hightower. And for the first three or four days, I didn't even say nothing. I just observed. And I couldn't relate to the way they worked because I tell you, cats, I wasn't no All-American. I wasn't no top 50. So I can't relate to how they practice and how they train. So it took me a while to figure out when to speak, when not to speak, because I didn't want to come off, you know, as some cocky guy and tell me, hey, you got to do it this way. I'm trying to understand them from where they want to be. And it, it was it was a great experience. It's a great experience. Well, are you saying what you're doing now? Yeah, we have a, a facility called... Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, we go, uh, 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 uh. Cool, cool. Before we get there, all right? Um, um... <clears throat> Let me see. My guy, Celebrity Dad, said, great guy, Pooh Abdul Fox was a real tough. Who else? Uh, who that, Liz, Liz Clifford? That's my, 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 my high school coach, my assistant. Ah. Yeah. He was in charge of the defense, and that was my math teacher. She said, is there a way to hit this entire bro broadcast for the jump? Yeah. Uh, after we finish... I'll leave it up for a day, and if you don't catch it then, you catch it on my IGTV. Okay. But after the holidays, we will be on YouTube. So you can sit back at the comfort of your home, big flat screen TVs, and listen to all the great interviews from our New York City great bowlers. So I speak to a lot of guys about that transition from basketball to the real world. Some guys have a difficult time with the transition. Some guys, it's a smooth transition. How was your transition from playing pro ball to getting back to the real world? My, my transition was, I would say, unique. There was a, a couple of factors involved. Uh, a good friend of mine had moved to Tampa. He was sort of a mentor. I went following him. Every summer, I would live somewhere different to kind of figure out where I wanted to live when I retired. So I, I bought a home just to be an investment property. Now, I had no idea I had to pick the doorknobs, the ceiling fans, the chrome molding. I had no idea. I paid for the house. Right. Oh, I'm going back overseas. It's like, nah, bro, you need to make sure the house built the way you wanted to. So I took the year off to kind of had no furniture. So then I think I'm, you know, an interior designer overnight. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, all this stuff. But it really came down to it. I have a younger brother. It was his senior year of high school. I've never seen him play high school basketball. And I thought that was more of a value than me going back overseas, you know, for one or two more years. So I just took the year off to be around him more, help him get his college career off, end up going to Manhattan College, didn't finish there. But just to be a part of that journey, I felt was more than, you know, squeezing out a few more years. So I kind of went cold turkey, but I had some business ventures and some other things come that took my, my focus for basketball. So... I stopped 32, and I probably could have played a couple more years, but I never looked back. Hey, man, more power to you, brother. And, and look, man, salute to you, man, for 
taking the time out to go see your younger brother play. Because if you don't make that decision, you miss out. And now, being a little bit older, you're kicking yourself in the ass like, damn, I didn't get to see my little guy play. Right, right. End up going the same way. All the things that we wanted, right? All right. the things that we That's real. So, let's talk about this basketball campaign you was a part of with all these New York City great ballers. Right. So Guys in tuxedos and shorts. Man, we, it was a blast filming that. I mean, I still got... Well, who, who campaign was it? Was that a Nike campaign? It was Nike campaign. So they took, you know, at that time, I guess I was pretty hot, you know, playing in the Nike Summer League. I won three championships with Nike. One with PDG Rap. But Ron Artest was in high school, uh, one with Prescriptive Fitness and one with Ghost Gym. So time, you know, I was, you know, getting good numbers. You know, Adrian Autry, Rod Phelps, Steve Burt, Conrad McCray. I mean, they was all, we was all on the same team. Woo! Based, based on that, you know, I got picked. Uh, John Strickland was on that. And it was one dude that we didn't know. And I kid you not, John Strickland was like, yo, bro, I need to see your credentials. Like, I know... Who Booger is, I know Fox, I know Dorian. Who are you? Man, we, we cracked up. It was hard just to keep a, a straight face on that video shoot. Who, who, who was it? He's, he's, in that picture, he's next to Strickland. Strickland's cut out, but I don't know who that dude is. <laughs> know who that dude is. But they, when, when is he on the right, left, or right side? Hold on, hold on. I can pull it up on my phone. There's a part of the picture that's cut out. That's John. Uh -huh. <laughs> right next to John Strickland is that next dude that we didn't hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So if I'm looking at the picture, it's on my left hand side. Yep. Yep. I... Hold on. See if I can find it, fool. That's crazy. So hold on, I'm gonna show it to you. So whoever whoever this dude is, can I see this shit? Yeah, bring it up to your screen. Can't see it, black. It's okay. I can see it a little bit. You gotta open it up some. Alright. Oh, I got it now. So there's Conrad, there's Rasul, then there's a dude next to Rasul. Uh-huh. Who that is? And John I posted this picture, you guys wanna see it, so. John Strickland's right here. He was like, yo, who are you? During the whole time, we're trying to <laughs> photo shoot. He's like, bro, I need to see your credentials. It was just, it was, it was, a, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Yo, he maybe was a model. Who knows? And hey, listen, hey, I, don't, I, to this day, I don't know who that was. I hope, hopefully, we can find out. <laughs> wow, the mysterious guy at the Nike campaign shoot. But what's crazy? It came out. It was in all of New York. I went to Italy the next day. So I never got. So to you never get. You never got a chance to see it. I didn't get to walk around New York like, yeah, you see me, you see me. I was, I was gone. <laughs> Titus, Titus said he came home. He looked up. He looked. Oh shit, this is hot. He was like, oh shit, fucked. <laughs> man. man. Wow. All right, Fox. Let's time to have some fun, man. Yeah, man. All right. Top five Queens bowlers. Top five. Uh, I mean, in my era, Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson, he's on the show right now. And you had to, you had to. Everything was chips, like you know. Uh, you know, I don't know if he got the respect, but I always had a tough matchup with a dude named Todd Davis, Todd Boogie. 
Hold on. Todd Davis is from Brooklyn, fam. Okay, he's from Brooklyn. So, yes. We talking about Strictly Queens. You need to let me know you are from Queens, fam. Let's go. I mean, you got to go with both Kenny's. Kenny Anderson is what? Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith. Yes. I'm not a fan of Mark, man. I, I had to run in with Mark Jackson. I'm not a fan of Mark. Mark Jackson is not. Uh, is Mark Jackson or Mark Jackson from Queens? From, but he played in Brooklyn. Got you. <laughs> we want to take everybody, fam. Chill out. <laughs> All right, that's two. Colleen that's Reed. three. That's three. That's two, actually. Kenny Smith, Kenny Anderson. Not letting you off the hook, fam. Let's go. Three more Queens ballers. Kali Reeves. Kali Reeves. Jason Williams, she's from Queens. That's Jason. right. No, Jason Williams, I think, is from Lower East Side. You are failing the Queens test. Yo, Kenny. Yo, kid. Yo, Chips. Your man is, we talking about Queens get the money. Kenny right there, fam. Let's do it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you. Okay, definitely, definitely. Run out test, yeah. I mean, you got to go with the young cats. That's right. That's right. Rhode That's what I'm feeling. Rhode Island alum, you know. <laughs> facts, 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 facts. All right, cool. We're going to do you another one. Oh, man. Top five Catholic high schools. Uh, Malloy. Uh, is Talentine Catholic? Did they tap? Yeah, Talentine is Catholic. And I did say Queens. I said New York City. That's right. So you good. All right. Uh, when I came up, McClancy was tough. McClancy. Oh, I interviewed like five or six of their players already. Yeah, yeah. They was, they was the truth. And uh, Bishop Lachlan. Facts. Okay. All right. Now. You ready for this? Oh, man. Yo, Chips. You know it. Everybody said, what's up? Yo, Chips, here we go. We're going to see if you're really from Queens. <laughs> Name the top five Queens basketball courts. Uh, citywide. Fam, that's not a basketball court. You haven't been back to New York in a while, right? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. So I, I'll give you a break. I'll give you a break. All right? What about Montebello? No. You don't know about Montebello? No. Yeah, you were definitely out there. Not out, yeah. Wasn't out there playing. No. Lincoln Park? No, he's in no. the house. Uh, on, on his side. Give me one more, because I've been to ISA. Facts. Good looking, Chips. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. One more, one more, Queens guy. My guy from Queens, he played for Jackson, the artist. He got something nice coming for you. Nice. Yep. And, and yo, hold on. Time out. Time out. Come here. Come here. Back. You got you to stop. You got to stop. Come here. Come here. I know, I know. I know. You got to come right here. Come here. Come here. Yo, I know. Come here. Look at the camera. Fuck. Yo, Ken. Ken A. Chips. Tell him you want to get his picture. Tell him. Tell him. I got him. you. <laughs> yo, you're wild. We're going to talk about that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, we got Montebello, IS8, what we said, uh, Lincoln Park, 
Give me another one. Where did you grow up playing at? I worked at Lost Battalion Hall. Lost Battalion Hall. We can say that's the gym. That's legendary right there. Stay out. Facts. Yeah. And we can say Southside, Baisley, 40 and all that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to keep you on too long, fam, because my man is wrapping up. Elmcore, yes. Elmcore, yeah. yes. Right. See? See? He said it. He said it again. Yep. Yeah, see? Kenny know LBH, baby. <laughs> Yo, Ken, he got you. You're actually getting two. You're actually getting two. All right? Yeah. So we got you. For sure. So, my brother, what are you doing right now? And explain to the people uh, where you're working at. Well, I'm fortunate with a, a, a partnership. We own Orange Theory Fitness, which is a group fitness for, for adults. And then we have what we call Redline Athletics, which is more of your youth athletic training center. But I've been, I've been with Orange Theory for about 10 years. When I started, there were two. There's over 1,200 now. So I've kind of watched this product grow into some, but Redline's probably my, my, my next passion, just being able to be back with the kids and, you know, share some of that basketball knowledge with, with the young, with the young generation. That's dope. And what, and what exactly do you do? Uh, well, I train at both facilities. Uh, I mainly handle the basketball piece at Redline, but we got, you know, a spill agility, speed and agility piece, a strength and conditioning piece. But Orange Theory, I just coach like a fitness class, like a group fitness class for about an hour. Got you. So when I when I hit you up, usually class, I was like, damn, I'm so, messing them up in the morning, not knowing you actually teaching the class. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's I'm a people person, so I still get to be around people and, and you know try to motivate them in different ways through fitness. So it's been a blessing. Yeah, there's a a a, a big movement of trainers all around the country that's doing phenomenal jobs with these kids. What do you think has been the main factor for trainers becoming so successful in this time compared to in the, uh, the latter years? Well, I think or the years of the, the, the days of yesteryear. I think the technology plays a big piece, and you know, if you get the right athlete, you can kind of ride off their coattails. But Vincent Smith never asked for a dime, and he trained some incredible, some incredible people when I came up. And not to say that he don't get credit, but if he had the technology he had then when he was developing, I mean, he'd be probably a college coach or NBA scout because he was just phenomenal. But I think, you know, a lot of these trainers, to me, it's fundamentals. I ain't got no tricks. I ain't going to get the ball. I'm going to put the ball in the basket. I'm going to run back on defense. So that's what I'm going to teach you on how I was raised to play the game. And, you know, I ain't taking five dribbles, two, three dribbles, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, I, I put up the other uh, the other day, uh, this guy training his kid. He had a rope on his back, right? Yeah. The kid was, he had a big tire. He had one foot in the tire, one foot out of the tire. He was dribbling, going around the tire, while another kid was hitting them with pads. Stop, man, stop. Yo, go on my page and scroll down, you'll see it. I'm dead serious. Another instance, 
is when my man John Arnold sent me a tape of this kid of this coach having kids jump over chairs to do euros. Wow. It was absolutely crazy. Wow. Now, this not this not to knock all the other trainers, but these are the kind of examples that I'm seeing besides the guys who I'm I'm paying attention to. Like right. the, the real dudes who are doing it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I want to salute to all those guys. Uh LeBron Matt, my guy BG, and my guy James Hunt. All the guys who I interview who are serious trainers and about their business. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 is your what is your uh, thoughts on reclassing back? Reclassing back. Yes, meaning a kid will get left back on purpose to give himself a better chance to be successful in basketball. You know, basketball is a tool. And to me, it's got to be used the right way. Uh, you know, to say you get left back or you don't get left back, to me, is not the deciding factor. I think there's so much involved. Uh, we had a teammate at Berkshire. I, I, to this day, I really don't know how old he was. Uh, but he ended up Staying back, going to another prep school, didn't go to college. I, I don't know if you know if that was the best route. I, I can't say, but I I'm not a fan. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, you know, I thought about it for just an instant, but if I had to go Division Two, I had to go Division to make my own way. I never thought about going back. Wow. Okay. Uh, Lizanne, uh, so and Clifford said, "Ask twenty five about learning to box out." while being taught by a pair of Chuck T's. Yo, my assistant coach was a bruiser, man. He, he put on these Chuck Taylors, and he literally just hack a shack. He wasn't even trying to go for the ball. So whenever we had like nine, and we had one short, and he had to shoot up, oh, man. <laughs> Yo, do not knock Chuck Taylors. I made Lincoln as a freshman in 1983 with a pair of ripped-off jeans, a white T-shirt, and a pair of Chuck Taylors. Super facts. Man, he was I'm make some noise for my damn self. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. That's right. Chuck Taylors, cut-off jeans, shorts, and a white tee. I didn't even have a jersey. I didn't even play in tournaments back then. I played football. So that was my, yeah. I got the – I was like the most valuable player. I was a quarterback. Okay. Went to Lincoln, following my running back. He gets into a fight and gets jumped. Wow. He wound up transferring to John Jay. I wound up going to Lincoln, playing JV football, trying for the basketball team because I don't want to ride the train by myself. I make it. All my friends get cut. I quit football. Wow. Facts. Yeah. Crazy, right? You don't know what setbacks takes you two steps forward based on how you respond to it, you know? Very true, man. Uh, Very true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm waiting for my guy to finish up. He, he got a little attitude because I tapped him already, on his back. You already. <laughs> yeah, but you can't be that emotional, fam. That's why your pencil's fat. Yes. <laughs> All right? Yeah. You got to woo-saw, fam. We here to have fun. Yeah, man. Right. Um, another question. I'm going to try to get all 
Uh, Anthony Montauk said, Hey, Abdul, we appreciate all the power you gave us while well, you came back to Astoria. What, are you still giving out Queens? You gave out the Jordan jersey? When still showing up to the people in Queens. When I would come from Europe, we had stuff that you never saw. So they would literally come to the house, and as soon as I unpacked my bag, they was like, yo, can I get that? Can I get that? Can I get that? So all the European was going within a day or two. But you know, wow. So that's what I grew up with, man. We, you know, just grew up wanting to play in college, so. Skip is in the room too. Yo, Skip, did you receive your trophy and your picture? I need to know this, Skip. We mailed them out. Had my people mail them out. You should have received them already. Let me know. Give me a thumbs up if you received them. If not, I got to get and talk to some people. For sure. Because we mailed it out a long time ago. You good? No. All right. Yeah, he made you to the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he made you to the Incredible Hulk, man. <laughs> Yo. Oh, man. Yo, Fox. Well, can, I ask you, can I ask you a question? You can ask me anything you want, brother. What inspired you, you know, to come up with this concept, this podcast, and to reach back to some of the old players? What what inspired you to do that? Well, nice. No, That's Kenny, we didn't send it out. Yeah, I was actually talking to Rafa. Ken, my bad. That question was for Rafa. We didn't send yours out. My, after my guy finished that second one, you're going to get a really big one, and then you'll get one that we send it out to everyone. So, have some friends, some really close friends that's been talking about talking to me about starting a show, some kind of show. Right. They didn't know whether it was going to be hip-hop, you know, from all my different lives that I come from. Right, right. Um, one of my friends said, yo, you start a basketball podcast. You're connected to all the guys who are coaching right now. We know some legendary cool. I was like, nah, I don't think nobody want to tell a story. That's what I said at first. Right. Right? And then my guy, another one of my best friends, that was, that was my guy, uh, Larry, stay still. Another one of my best friends, Hakeem, hit me up and was like, yo, I got a dope name for a podcast, for a show called Basketball Heads. That's where we have basketball heads, right? I liked it, but I still brushed it off. It wasn't until like, when we start being threatened with a pandemic, my guy Jason Sansbury. I had to do music with his cousin years ago. He's the cousin of Salam Remy. And he worked for CBS Sports. He was like, yo, G, we got the studio downtown. We got the streaming company. Would you like to do a high school basketball show? Because you're always posting the games and always there. I see you posting things. And this is before I had basketball head. This would be on my regular page. Yeah. I'm a guy who watched all the podcasts all the shows from Joe Rogan to Drink Champs and everything in between, right? Bill right. Burr, I listen to everyone. And I was trying to figure out, okay, with all this noise going up on, on YouTube and all these other platforms, where would be the niche? So I saw uh, guys like All Things Hoop, uh, 
Kyle over there, my guy A-Game, my guy P. Cannell, K. Pennell. They was doing similar, right? right. Inviting basketball guys up and speaking to them. But I saw no one was doing strictly New York City basketball. You got Dave joint as well. But yeah. they kind of all over the country with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Myself, I played, I played at Lincoln, right? Yep. You got a rich tradition of basketball. We were the first team to win the championship in 1986. Besides the guys that won in the 40s, we don't count that because we weren't playing. Right? right, if you get what I'm saying. Yep. Um. So, and, and here we are today. You know, you are my 98th show. Right, all right. I'm in the first hundred. I'll take it. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And, and that's where we're going with it. And we want to keep going, try to preserve <laughs> the history of basketball culture in New York City and give guys like yourself and others the platform to be heard and not get embarrassed, right. not spread no rumors. I don't care about the negative stuff unless yeah. you want to bring it up. I was talking to Lloyd Dane Dub yesterday. Yeah. We were talking. Lloyd texts me every day and we just conversate, right? All right. I say, your fam, there's no pressure. Whenever you're ready to come on, I know you'll yeah. be on. Right. And I just want to let them know, I only want to talk basketball, not constantly tell that to them. Right. Right? So I had other guys who had issues that was in the newspaper. I don't care about none of that, man. This is basketball heads. This is not TMZ. <laughs> it is. Facts. Facts. I want my guys to come up here and feel comfortable. And if they want to spill their, you know, their heart out, Guys shed tears. Dudes talking about <clears throat> being in a situation where, you know, they had to go through it emotionally and mentally through basketball, right? And kind of find them they, they way out of that rut. Right. So we're saying that, man. This, this is what we're trying to do, man. And without this, I don't think we would ever have a conversation. I know who you are. That's crazy. Now you know who I am, and now we got a connection, right? Right, right. And, uh, That's what the brotherhood is all about. And I think, you know, a lot of kids get forgotten because they don't make the NBA. And their journey or their story, to me, is just as valuable. The work ethic, I think, to me, is phenomenal. That I don't know if you get a lot of credit. It's Talik Brown from St. John's Prep. And then win a national championship with UConn. Because he didn't go to a league, you don't talk to him about being one of the premier point guards that come out of New York back then. Now he's assistant coach at UConn with Kamadi Jones, another Queens, another Queens kid. So, so are, are those are those your nominees? Yeah. To, to, to get on this show, you got to nominate someone. And I always tell people, you make the connection. Let everybody know that's official because the connection comes from you. I'm not hunting anyone down, right? The connection come for you, they know this is efficient, right? The platform, I need to tell my story. And salute to Talik Brown and everything he accomplished. Right. Well, I say the connection because he trained with me when he was younger coming up. Just like wow. he trained with me when I was younger coming up. 
So to watch him go on that national stage at UConn, hit that shot at the guard, and like, I'm a number one fan. You know, did his thing with his little AAU, then finally got into, a, you know, a premier division one school where he went and he led them to a national championship. So, you know, I, I cheer for him and come out of every day at UConn. And Danny Hurley, I played against, you know, in college. So, <laughs> fans. Salute to Kamani as well, definitely. Yeah. Another Vincent product, like, you know. Wow. And, 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 and look, look, fam, what's up with Vincent Smith? That's a treasure. That's a New York City legend that people don't really talk about. He's done so much for the city, especially for the, the Queens side. Well, hands down. Hands you know, it's guys like Vincent Smith, guys like uh, who passed away, Gil Reynolds. Yep. Gil Reynolds didn't charge anybody anything. He just said, come to the park. Yep. yep. So we want to salute guys like that, man. Listen, the platform is always open. I would love to hear his story and give him a chance to be, you know, so we get a story out there so people can see and hear the legend himself. Yes. And then once we grow some more, we'll get Mark and Kenny on. <laughs> That's the plan. I, I, I want to try to wrap all of the guys up. For my guy Derek Chivas, I wish my guy Pearl was living because he would definitely be on the show. No, you, it's funny you say Derek Chivas. He used to wear band aids. I know that was my teammate in the Empire State games. Yes, that's why I got that in college. I had a thing where I wore band aids instead of Derek Chivas. Really, you did the band aid. You did the band aid thing. That was Derek Chivas. He was special, man. Nice. He was nice. Derek was special. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Never got to meet him, but you know of him. You know, you're just like, oh, that kid right there. Nice. So and, and that was, that's another thing about New York City guys, especially back then. We we gave those guys respect. Even we never saw them play. Right. Right? And then when we saw them play and they lived up to the height, out you, of here. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was at Berkshire, you know, we thought we arrived, you know, all preseason, we working out. And the Berkshire coach was a Malloy alum. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. We scheduled a game against Malloy. You know, we in the lab line looking nice. Man, listen. Kenny probably had 30 and only played three quarters. You know? That's a damn shame. Bro. Yo, chips. That's a you was giving everybody the business, including my team. Shit, bro. The so business in three quarters, fam. Three quarters. Three quarters. Three quarters. We walked, we walked out. Best player in the country, never quit, never complained with his coach, and still to this day says this is one of the best things this coach ever done for him. So, salute Kenny Anderson. Yeah, facts. For sure. All right, now, the time has come. My man is, uh, he calmed down a little bit. Us, us cancers get a little emotional. All the, all the pencils fell on the floor. <laughs> kind of regroup. It's like, yeah, you know what? Can't be mad at G too long. Look, <laughs> that's what we do, fam. All right. Y'all ready? ready? Yo, fam. My man. Okay.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, got, you, got, you got, I'll make sure you put the D in there. It's all good, man. I roll. We got the Fox on there. <laughs> What's up, man? That's that shot right there. That's that shot. That's that shot right there, man. Yeah. I mean, who thought I had a rookie card? That was crazy to me. I gave all those out in the hood, too. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. That's what's up, man. No doubt, man. Listen, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm glad we got a chance to meet and talk. My guy Titus, my friend Titus, uh, somebody who always talked about you for years and was like, even before the show, was always <laughs> saluting you guys. And, and, you know, holding down his Queens guys as he should. Man, just uh, a, a brother from high school to, to still a friend to this day. And just always been in my corner. Always been in my corner. For sure. For sure. Yo, yo, Kenny, we love you, fam. I know we did it to y'all, Grim Falls. My bad. You still killed us in three and a half quarters, though. Hello, <laughs> <Salute>, my G. <laughs> Yo, Fox, appreciate you, my brother. Respect. Um, make sure you contact you guys. Yes. Right? Yeah. Contact you guys. Send me your information so I can send that picture to you. Okay. You're going to get it because you're in a long line, but you definitely going to get it, all right? Baby, it's all good. No doubt. Appreciate you. For sure. Peace. Yo, Chips, trust me.